Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. You know, I've often thought that the, one of the hardest scripture passages for, for the deacon or the priest to proclaim is that Christmas Eve one with all the names, the genealogy from Matthew. And, I, and then I've often thought that one of the hardest ones for a lay lector to proclaim is the one that you just did, Cease, and you just cut through Nebuchadnezzar, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, no problem. But the phrase, three young men, whew, that tripped you up. That just cracked me up. <laughs> it's like, she got the names right. <laughs> Anyway, that was great. That's a hard reading. All right. Jesus says in this gospel we just heard, Amen, amen, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. I want us to focus on that little passage here this morning and uh, where like this, this really presses us into a consideration of how we view, think about, understand the concept of freedom and our free will, all of these things. We're going to get a little nerdy on you here at 8 o'clock Mass, so stay with me. So beginning with the late medieval theologian John Duns Scotus, this new conception of freedom began to emerge in Christian philosophy, Christian theologizing, Christian thinking, known as philosophical voluntarism. Voluntarism. That Duns Scotus, he insisted on the absolute freedom of the will one of the powers of the soul that God gave us, the absolute freedom of the will and its supremacy over all the other faculties of the will, meaning over intellect, over all of those things. So in other words, what's most fundamental in us is our will, our capacity to choose this sort of dispassionate hovering over above options that you can choose this or that. And insofar as we have that ability, we are most human. It's kind of his conception. You see this uh, line of thinking coming up through other medieval thinkers. Think of Blaise Pascal into the Enlightenment with Immanuel Kant, Schopenhauer, Nietzsche, William James, all these folks. You can trace this this line of uh, this conception all the way through these thinkers. And it's in our own uh, sort of thinking today that you hear it. It's it's what's at the bottom of the pro-choice sort of movement, right? What a great slogan, pro-choice. Why? Because what's most fundamental is our capacity to choose, to make choices, right? Voluntarism. Okay, so what's important about, for, for us this morning with all of this is this, that in this conception of the human person, this conception of freedom, our will is not ordered towards anything, The will is not inclined towards anything. It's unhinged, detached, free to choose this or that. This is a radical break from what had come before, the Augustinian Thomistic vision of the human person that contextualized the human person within a framework of goods that God had created and that these soul powers that he had given us, namely intellect and will, they're ordered towards those goods. So here's what I mean, that like the intellect, this power of the soul, this intellect is ordered towards the truth. It's looking for the truth. The appetite of the intellect 
is truth. The food that the intellect wants, is hungry for, is whatever's true. What about the will? The, the food, if you will, that the freedom, the will is looking for, is whatever's good. The will, in other words, is ordered towards the good. We could say philosophically, it's teleologically ordered towards the good. It's, it's inclined towards the good. Why does all this matter? Because many of us, because of how all these ways of thinking kind of bubble into our, our worldview, many of us kind of live with this voluntarism worldview kind of entrenched in our minds, which makes what Jesus says in the gospel kind of bizarre when he says, whoever commits sin becomes a slave of sin. Here's what I mean, that sin is not neutral. Choosing sin is, is not a neutral reality. It, the effect of the choice towards sin, away from the good, it actually constricts the will. It makes us less and less free progressively. It becomes Sin has this sort of effect of making the heart sclerotic. There's a sort of rigor mortis that settles into our souls that makes it more difficult to choose the good, right? So someone who's habitually choosing sin, they are not sort of walking on this neutral path in the wrong direction. They are, they are deforming, right? The choice to sin is a spiritual deformation. It's making the will more entrenched in this sort of rebellion away from God. It becomes easier to do evil, more difficult to do good. This is why St. Paul could say things like, like that he's a slave of Jesus Christ. He referred to himself as the doulos of Christ, the slave of Jesus Christ. Why? Because our freedom is actually ordered, inclined towards the good. We become progressively freer and freer and more human the more that we choose the good, the more that we enslave ourselves to what is best and highest, we become progressively freer. Right? Again, Paul, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. In my enslavement to what is best and highest, I'm actually the most free. To be enslaved to what is best and highest is the definition of freedom. So look at Mary. Mary here is the archetype par excellence of what true freedom is. In her freedom from original sin, she was most free to offer an effortless yes. The choice to choose the good effortlessly is the result of, of freedom. It's the result of being unencumbered by sin. So Mary's yes to Gabriel, it wasn't as though, so here, here's what I mean. You can hear like this voluntarism lurking in the background when you hear people ask the question, what would have happened had Mary not said yes? Again, thinking, this is the way of the, the line of thinking, that Mary, because she's human, because she has the supremacy of will, she, she could say yes or she could say no. She's hovering dispassionately over these options. That's not reality. Right? If the will is ordered towards the good, then Mary's yes, like she was always effortlessly going to be offering that yes. She's ordered towards it. She's ordered towards it. So conversely, right, our choice to say no 
is not neutral. It's not liberating. So Satan, right, the enemy, in his non-servium, I will not serve, right, he's not, like, reigning in hell as his own man singing Frank Sinatra's I Did It My Way, right? That's not how this is. He's not just unencumbered, no shackles, freedom, like, I'm doing things my way down in hell. No, no, he is, if you've ever read the Divine Comedy by Dante, it's a powerful depiction of Satan that in the inferno, Virgil and Dante, they come down to the very pit of hell where they see Satan, the king of the damned, the mayor of hell, hell's first inmate. What is he doing? Well, he's frozen in a lake of ice up to his chest. And his wings which were beautiful, are now these bat wings, and they're beating the air furiously. He's trying to escape, but what that's doing is it's creating this frigid, frozen atmosphere, and he's becoming more and more constricted. It's pitiful. It's it's pathetic. Sin is constricting. It's constricting. So here Jesus comes to us saying, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That when we come to know him, when we come to surrender more and more territory of our hearts and lives to him, we become more and more progressively free. The more that we enslave ourselves to him, we become more and more authentic and progressively free. It's the paradox, right? The paradox of total freedom comes through total enslavement to what's best and highest, what's most good, which is him. So let us pray for that today, that those parts of our hearts that are still in open rebellion, that don't want to submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ, would lay down arms and let the king in. Amen.